0: Do you remember the first time you made your own money? Do you remember that first ten pounds, that first twenty bucks? That money that came in, that you made. The feeling, the buzz, when the money starts to flow, when your hard work starts to pay off is phenomenal. Well in this season of the coaching episode, we've been working with Andrew on his YouTube channel, and today we get to experience the money start to flow. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun, and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to the Rebel Entrepreneur. Welcome back to the Rebel Entrepreneur Coaching Series, and it's always one of my favorite times. Because we have three people on the podcast with me. We have back with us, Andrew and Linda, Callie from the crowd. Callie to the crowd. I always say it's from the crowd. Somewhere there is a crowd doing calisthenics watching you do it. How are you, Andrew? Welcome back to the show.
1: I am good. I'm good. I really should probably get Callie from the crowd domain name set up just in case. Get a redirect on that before somebody else snaps it up. Just because of the people I tell it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Alan's directed 75,000 people to Cali from the crowd. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever you do, just go to some kind of calisthenics and there's a crowd and there's Andrew and you will find it on YouTube. (laughs) Uh, Everyone will be okay. (laughs) So we've got Andrew back and we also have Matt and Rob. Welcome back to the show. Hello. Hello. Good day. It's good to be here. It's lovely to have you back. How's the woodworking channel? How's the world of YouTube?
2: Yeah, we're slowly starting to pick things up again after a short hiatus, getting up to speed, basically trying to learn the ropes again, I'd, to be honest. I think
3: yeah, I can't yeah. get
2: my words out nowadays.
3: I'm
0: really out of practice, but we're, we're getting there.
3: We're getting there. Yeah. Lots of filming was done today, so progress is being made.
0: Excellent. And uh, getting your words out is not a prerequisite to being a star on the internet. I can't even get the name of Andrew's business correct. And I still managed to have a following. So um, if you're listening to this, I apologise to you, Andrew. I'm sorry for getting your business name wrong.
1: (laughs) On the bit about um, getting your words out, I 100% empathise. There's something about being in lockdown and the only conversations you're having was down the barrel of a camera. Speaking to real people now that we're coming out of lockdown, I feel like a recluse.
0: (laughs) So I do actually have something for all of us here based on that, which... I think Matt and Rob might know, but there was a study in the early days of public speakers and they had three groups of speakers that they then asked the crowds what they thought of them. The first group made a huge number of mistakes, errors. They bumbled their words. They used ums, ahs. They were a bit of a mess. The second group had a few errors. You know, they bumbled a few words. They said a few things wrong. And the third group got everything word perfect. They didn't bumble a single word. Everything was perfect. No ums, no ahs, no nothing. Which group do you think the audience most resonated with?
1: I imagine the middle one because they're human, but not so human that they become annoying.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a wonderful, (laughs) wonderful summary. Yes, don't be so human it's annoying. Just be marginally human and people will love you for it. Actually, if you're (laughs) too perfect, people struggle to connect. Like, this guy's so perfect, this lady's so perfect, I could never be like that. So a little bit of error in your blog, your speaking, your words can be a good thing. It can actually help you to connect.
1: I'm going to go and just shove a whole load of typos on my website right now. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, I've probably already got a few, so I probably don't want to have to.
0: Yes, yeah, and if you want to see more typos, please visit com. You can find plenty <laughs> there to please you. Uh, if you're a grammar Nazi, I'm afraid I won't be changing it. Unless you want to help me do it, that would be great. So like, let's move on to what we're actually here to talk about. Andrew, how is the YouTube channel going?
1: I feel these podcasts are slowly going to turn into an evolution of the channel, which I imagine is actually a really great thing, right? It's what we want. Every time I feel we've come back to have a chat about the channel, the channel seems to have just jumped leaps and bounds. So... The last time I spoke to you, Alan, the channel had just cross-monetization, you know, I was making a little bit of money. The last time I spoke to yourselves, Matt and Rob, on the last podcast we did, we were speaking about a whole load of ways to build up engagement, maybe increase the number of people that were getting through that first 30 seconds, which we know is such a huge hurdle when it comes to YouTube videos. And the data is speaking for itself. More people are landing my videos, more people are clicking on thumbnails, more people are uh, watching more of the videos. And I don't know what I'm doing right, but what I expected to get paid from YouTube in terms of advertising, it's more than that. And I don't know if I've, if I've accidentally done something, I want to know what it is so I can continue doing it. So that's part of what I want to, Chat to you guys about today, but I'm running ahead for myself. That that in a summary is what's happened over the last two to three weeks. So the
0: summary is you're richer than you thought you were going to be. I mean, basically, yeah, yeah. I mean, job done. <laughs> Should we just end the podcast there? <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Rebel Entrepreneur. That's all you need to do. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> this sounds great. Um, it's interesting, though. So I do have a piece, and I have a very cheesy expression. Where focus goes, energy flows. And if you focus on something, like that energy that comes from that focus changes things. So, if every two weeks, like we're doing this every two weeks, Andrew, you get to speak to me and like I give you some ideas, you go and implement them, you get to speak to Matt and Rob, they give you ideas, you go and implement them. Like just that focus on growing your business, working on your thing is incredible. And that's actually why we do the coaching series is hopefully the people listening along, you there, out there, you should be doing the same every week, taking the ideas, gradually implementing, improving your business. And it's incredible how those weekly daily actions compound over time to lead you somewhere you weren't expecting. And then all of a sudden, several years later, you're like, wow, is this really my life? How did I get here? And it's incredible how it happens over time. Incredible. And for those of you uh, who aren't able to see Andrew, Matt and Rob, they're all significantly younger than I am. And I just want to say to all you young people out there, I sound like an old man, someone like do something to me now. (laughs) All you young people out there, like just keep going, work on it, focus on each work. And it's incredible how it compounds over time
1: as you do it.
0: And it sounds like you've been experiencing a little bit of this magic.
1: Yeah, it's one of those. I'm not sure if it's beginner's luck. I'm not sure if it's a bit of a fluke. Maybe lockdown and a whole lot of people are wanting to watch a lot of fitness videos. Uh, For those of you who can't see Alan's face right now, he's shaking his head. Stop
0: discounting this stuff. You're such a British person. Like, oh, yes, it wasn't me. It was just lucky timing or fluke. Oh, (laughs) you know, I didn't do anything. (laughs) Stop it. You, You were putting videos out there. You're doing the work. Like, you made progress, and this has happened for a reason. Like, it's happened for a reason. Just own it. You did good.
1: It still feels extremely strange. So I've been doing these videos for the last 18 months now, I'd probably say I spend about easily 10 hours a week. Easily, you know. That's the amount of time that I actually can compartmentalise the time. I'm not talking about thinking of video ideas or, or whatnot. And the idea that if I spend 10 hours a week on this for 18 months and I'm just getting paid for the first time now, like, it feels great, but then when you think about it in terms of, like, probably like an hourly rate it probably doesn't feel that great but it, it does feel like you've kind of reached the apex of a mountain I feel over a, over a hump is that phrase yeah I, I feel like I've got past a, a checkbox
0: <laughs> you, you've crossed a hump to a checkbox and now you're on your way up the other mountain someone knows exactly. what you talking about yeah. somewhere um so go on hit us with some numbers. What does this actually mean? Because I'm sure people are going to be like me. Like, what do you mean you're earning more? Like, are you earning £2.50? Are you earning £12? Like, what does this actually mean after 18 months of hard work?
1: Sure. So for those of you who don't know, just as a really quick summary, on YouTube, they have a whole load of barriers to you making money on YouTube so that, I guess, they don't get random people spamming their, their platform. As part of it, you have to have 1,000 subscribers minimum on your channel, which again is no small fee. And you need to have within the last 365 days, 4,000 watch hours, which when I started, it didn't sound like that much. And then you, you times that number by 60, that's nearly a quarter of a million minutes. That early on felt insane. And to do that, Every 365 days felt like madness. And then after about six months' time, you realise, oh, it's okay. You know, if this trend continues, then I'll easily cross the, that 4,000 watch hours mark. So I crossed that mark a couple months back. And then YouTube gave me the green light to make a little bit of money. And it started with, I think, my first ever, the, the, the first ever amount I made within the month was eight pounds and I was I'm not gonna lie when I first saw that I was over the moon that that's almost a Nando's meal I, that, that's 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 how I that's how I think that's how my brain works
0: that's at least five wings that's definitely five wings or maybe yeah, what is exactly it, the wings roulette
1: could you get a wings roulette for that oh uh, no no not 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 wings roulette I'm not brave enough for that
2: we can't do it off freddo's anymore because the price is inflated too much so nando's is the new one
1: exactly um and then over the last couple of months the number of views the channel's been getting has just skyrocketed it's it really has jumped leaps and bounds so to put it in perspective when we started speaking i've just crossed two thousand subscribers now i'm easily getting 100 subscribers a week damn wow and i've just crossed Three thousand two hundred subscribers, which is really nice. You know to know that you're helping all these people and that they feel so much value from your content that they're willing to stick around. You know that is a really good indicator. And as of the last twenty eight days, my channel made just under a hundred dollars, which is nice. Like I, I, I still can't fathom that this is something I've been doing for free for eighteen months and. Now you know I've got nearly a hundred dollars in, well, not in my hand. It's a it's a number on the screen. but I, I still got it. It feels it feels great. Round of applause!
0: Incredible <laughs> work. Like this is how it starts, and I think sometimes people get disappointed. Like, oh, I only made ten pounds. So well that's how it starts. Like you make ten pounds, and then you make twenty, and then you make fifty, and then you make a hundred. And then it grows and it grows and it grows. And this is how it starts. You're on the path. And this is phenomenal. Great work. And you've actually, like, this is the compounding of all that work you've put in for 18 months is now starting to really kick off. But you have to do that work at the start. And I have an expression of you can have anything you want in life if you're willing to pay the price up front and in full. And that's the key bit, like you've paid the price through 18 months of work to eventually start getting there. And if you continue to pay the price, it'll continue to start to grow. But most people don't want to pay the price. They just kind of want the success to come without doing all that effort up front. And I think it's really important for everyone listening to this when they hear 18 months, like that is 18 months of hard work. Rob, Matt, you have something to say.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, Andrew, what you're experiencing here is what's called uh, CPM, cost per mill. So, in plain English, that basically means how much ad or how much an ad is worth on your video per one thousand
3: views. Always throws me off, but it's it's mill. I think million, but no, mill is a thousand. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So, cost per mill. A cost per mill is very difficult to get your finger on. How, like, whether you're on a with it or whether you're on a decline of it throughout the year so for example with my niche woodworking advertisers will put more money into advertisements marketing in the run-up until christmas because they know lots of people are going to be locked up in their houses especially this past year doing woodworking in their garages making uh, gifts for people for christmas or maybe buying tools for people for christmas so for me my cost per mill running up to christmas from about september to december is through the roof. That being said, in January, I've experienced my income cut by a third of what it was previously because advertisers didn't want to or didn't feel the need to advertise things in that time after Christmas. But that is in my niche. Yours being fitness, again, I'm guessing here, but I'm imagining that you might have jumped in at a good time now where actually advertisers are pumping a lot into the fitness niche because summer is only around the corner people are going to be outside they're going to be buying fitness equipment uh, you are on the bull run at the moment really with it but that that's a guess of
1: course got to get swallowed for the beach
2: exactly exactly so that is how cost per meal works on a sort of plain english basis and it, it can fluctuate throughout the year it can fluctuate on different niches for example woodworking it's not necessarily a massively um it, it, the sector isn't advertised in as much as something like fitness, where the products are probably of higher value. There's probably more competitors. Advertisers are going to want to bid against each other to get their products out. A step higher would be things like finance and real estate. The cost per mill in those sectors is through the roof.
3: It's incredible.
2: Through the roof. It can be, I don't know, I think I've heard about $10 per 1,000 views or something stupid like
3: that. I've heard higher.
2: Higher. Yeah. Unbelievable because it is just the financial sector. They've got the money
1: to spend on it, let's be fair. To put that in perspective for the people listening, my cost per mil is three dollars. So if I'm hearing double digits like ten, Rob you said you've seen higher, that is insane.
2: Mine's about one or two.
0: Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's it, it shows that the niche Who's up for doing a video on finance together? Um, can we do the finance (laughs) of fitness i'm happy to do that with you can we do the finance of woodworking uh i can talk about do a remodel of a house yeah definitely we can do that i've got a friend remodeling houses we can definitely do that but it's interesting when you start to see these differences and disparities yeah that's
2: it it's it's all to do with the cpm and it's you don't really know if you're on the climb or the decline until a month later when you see the full graph for now just relish in it because it might dip later or it might be that you're actually in a decline at the moment and it will boost later you never really know but just enjoy it for now because you know it's great that you're earning that much per month just like from the get-go that's more than i did
3: so brilliant I, i think the point being with this stuff though is the fact that you you can't just go go ahead and think right how can i improve my video to improve the amount of money i get per thousand views it's more the fact that you're already in that sector makes the amount you get sort of fixed. You don't have any control out of that. that. That's an industry standard that's going on behind the scenes. So don't think about it in terms of trying to improve the cost per mill. Think about it in just trying to improve the views in general on your videos. That's the main place to be looking.
0: Yeah, my little saying on that is profit is actually a byproduct of a good service. So the profit is the thing that comes from doing what you do really well and helping other people. So the more you focus on doing what you do, doing it so well, doing it to a stage where people go, whoa, this is awesome. That profit's the byproduct of doing a good job. And if you tweak it right, obviously you tweak the bits and you do the bits, but if you tweak it right, like the profit will come from being exceptional at what you do.
1: Yeah, I think that's what I'm really still struggling to get my head around. This is something that I've been doing for so long. And I've attached to, uh, I don't know, there's something about a, this is so, so cringy, a passion project that, you know, you feel, oh, I'm going to work hard at it. And, you know, people say nice things, but the idea of actually getting real money for it is really, it still blows my mind. So even this, like when when we're talking about even like a little bit of money coming through, like the amount of money isn't going to change my life. Like I said, I'll get a couple extra Nando's next month because of it. <laughs> but the the concept, it, it just feels more real. And until I spoke to you guys, it didn't feel like a business. It started to feel like a business after starting to implement some of the strategies, speaking to you three has really, really helped me really think about. And now that you see, there is something about going onto your YouTube studio and seeing that green dollar sign Ugh, I, I don't even know it's it's amazing. yeah I I, I sent many a screenshot to my mom Aww. and yeah it, it just feels really great and the idea of continuing to do that continuing to add value is certainly something that I'd, that I'm, I'm keen to do. So yeah if even if that cost per meal is set and it's rigid, I imagine the lever we then want to pull would be the mill, right? So rather than the cost, the mill, how do we get more mills? How do we get more views, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, when I say it's fixed, it is sort of fixed around that. You said $3, but don't forget, if you start doing things more weighted towards products within the fitness community, all of a sudden there is an element of financialness implemented in that. And so there is a chance for that to bump up the cost per mil. So things like affiliate marketing tend to have a little bit more of a higher cost per mil and sort of things like that. So it's not necessarily fixed, but the fact that both me and you are on the low end mean at least we've got more room to grow rather than people in the finance sector where it's only really, it can only go down from there.
0: Can it only go down Everyone keeps saying it can only go down. Can it? Nah,
3: probably not, I guess. <laughs> I'm I'm going to start a finance YouTube channel. I've just are decided, you? yeah. That's
2: your
0: fifth one now, isn't it?
3: <laughs> Shut up.
0: <laughs> uh, so what's the biggest challenges you've got at the moment, Andrew? How can Matt, Rob and I assist, help and serve? What do you need? What are you working on?
1: Yeah, so, um, I mean, it's part in terms of really just getting my head around this monetization piece. So I've watched quite a few videos of people trying to explain it, and I get it in principle. But I still, as I got closer and closer to approaching that 4,000 watch hours tipping point before YouTube monetized my videos, I started to think, okay, roughly, how much should I expect from this? A lot of YouTube videos actually manage your expectations really well. They tell you, you're, you're not going to get much. It's not great. You'll get a bit of pocket change from, from the Google overlords. And whatever you get, just be happy with. So I was like, yeah, I've, I've made my peace with getting a couple of quid a month. And then I see this. And yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering, is, is there something I could do to optimize it further? Is, is there something I'm doing right? Is there something I'm doing wrong? Currently, I've kind of just placed ads at the beginning of my... uh, uh Well, not at the beginning. I've, I've placed... I've ticked all the boxes for the different types of ads that, that YouTube allows you to, um, to advertise on. And that's kind of all I've done. And I'm not really sure if there's anything else I should be doing.
2: Yeah, I mean, by this point, you've got the baseline income of the YouTube ads. And so, as you said, it's about getting more of the thousands of viewers in in order to multiply that more so i would probably i'm not gonna say call it quits on the youtube income from there but let's start thinking more about that diversification into your website and into your products i saw you wearing a t-shirt in one of your videos it looks very nice so start let's start thinking about that kind of thing as well we do have a few notes here with regards to your actual videos and things within them to help that viewership even more but from a monetization standpoint that YouTube income, let's just let that grow with the viewers. Don't think about gaming it any more than that because it'll probably just overcomplicate it and get it really boring from that point. Let's start thinking about the other things with regards to the website and other products you can implement.
1: I like the sound of that.
3: I think you'll also find that some of the videos that you might have watched that talked about the money that was coming in and being a really small amount might have been prior to when these guidelines existed. So these guidelines, these 4,000 hours watchmark, they came into play to stop people ripping off copyrighted stuff and making a quick bit of money and making a new account and rinsing and repeating all that sort of stuff. But initially, that meant that you could have started monetizing content much earlier and made a very small amount of money, like a couple of pounds a month. But because of these guidelines in place, it means that when you do start to make money, you're in a much better place to make more than you might have expected. So you might have seen videos before that point and now that you've got past that point, you're actually at a stage where you're making more than they would have expected, if that makes any sense.
1: No, I fully understand. Yeah, and I fully get that. It's one of those as well where I'm actually really excited that you guys have said that because the actual content creation part, that's the bit I enjoy most. You know, I'm not called Callie to the ad optimization.
3: <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So... <laughs>
1: That's your finance channel. That's your finance one. Boom, yeah. $10 per mil, here I come. But yeah, um, I'm really excited that that's the bit we're going to aim for because that's the bit I enjoy doing. That's the bit that I spend most of my time doing already. And yeah, I, I just want to continue.
0: It's quite interesting because basically Google do the sales for you. They're selling the advertising. They're doing all of that. And there are very, very few businesses where you get to avoid sales. Like sales is so important. And if you want to monetize other ways, you're going to need to sell t-shirts. You're going to need to sell your own products. You're going to need to do stuff to sell. But at the moment, like YouTube handles all of that and you get to focus on creating the best product you can. If you want to monetize beyond what YouTube is doing, then you'll need to do your own sales. And in any business... The person that is doing the sales will get the biggest proportion of the profit. I don't care what business it is. I don't care what sales it is. The people who sell it will get most of the profit. And if that's Google, like you said earlier about the Google overlords giving you what comes down, like they're doing all the work to be fair. They're selling all that stuff. Like that's actually the hardest bit. The sales is so hard. That's the piece. So I think like, just enjoy that. Enjoy that they're doing it for you. Focus on the content. And if you want to monetize beyond it, then we need to develop your sales skills, your marketing skills, your own list, all of the stuff we've spoken about and will continue to build. But does that make sense about the sales and how money flows in business?
1: Yeah, 100%. And I know we've spoken about those other avenues for sales in the past. I have actually a few things to share on that uh, that I imagine we'll speak about later. But yeah, completely get that.
0: Matt and Rob, would you like to take us through the video elements? So let's go straight into focusing on the content, the video elements and that sort of stuff. And we'll see where we get to on time to focus on the monetization because Andrew can always take me off on his own to talk about money later.
2: Oh, mm-hmm. that sounds fun. Right. <laughs> get the candles okay, uh, Alan.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Again, why weren't we invited? Anyway, right, so... A big topic in the last podcast we did was based around getting people into the videos to start with, because your thing's in the videos, your content is great. You can see that in the comments. Uh, It was getting people into them in the first place, getting that initial viewership up and perhaps the audience retention as well. So firstly, I want to know what you've been doing in that area before we start offering critiques on what you've done so far. So yeah, let us know what you've done.
1: Yeah, sure. So we spoke a lot about A-B testing thumbnails and really trying out different thumbnail styles and seeing what that did to click through rate, um, the number of people seeing the video versus the number of people clicking on it. I did that with quite a few videos, actually. I tried it out with two videos initially that I spoke to about Alan in our last catch up. And since I've tried it on a third video. So for those of you listening, if you're going through my channel, the three videos I tried it on were, um, my first one's my three-month calisthenics transformation. That's that's my most recent thumbnail A-B test, actually. There was a former image on that, that actually, one of the main reasons I wanted to do that, the video performs kind of well, but the thumbnail wasn't on brand. So I thought, you know, that's a really good one to to try out, see if that makes a difference. It did make a slight positive difference in terms of click-through rate, but not nearly as much as one of the ones I did before, which was on um, a video called the pike push-up. It's a type of push-up and it's about people not feeling it, particularly in their shoulders. I tweaked that thumbnail a little bit just to make it completely obvious that people doing this exercise, you should be feeling it here. If you're not feeling it in this part of your body, then watch this video. That click-through rate almost doubled on that video when I tried that new thumbnail. So that was a really good experiment. And oh, for the life of me, I can't remember what I did with the other one. But there, there was a, a thumbnail experiment that was an absolute epic fail. So I tried it, saw click through rate dip, and I, I, I immediately switched it back. But that's what you want to see, right? So the net overall benefit is overly positive. I've taken a thumbnail, put moved it on brand. It's got gotten a lot better. I've doubled the click through rate of a video that is now performing extremely well. And you know what? The video where it didn't work. I switched it back and overall it didn't take a crazy amount of time, it's just a little bit of time on Photoshop to tweak it a little bit. And yeah, it's, it's certainly something that I will look to optimize. I don't think I do it with every single video, but it's learning from stuff like that that I can now take into my next couple of videos, get an understanding of what works. One thing I've also been paying a lot of attention to is YouTube has a feature I'm sure you guys are already aware of it, where you can see what your thumbnail compares to when looking at all the other top videos for your search term. Since the last time I spoke to you guys, I've been paying a lot of attention to that feature. And yeah, it's, it's, it seems to be paying off.
2: Yeah, no, that's brilliant to hear. And that's the thing with A-B split tests. You have your A, and then you have your B, and you always think that the B is going to perform better than the A. Actually, no, it doesn't. And it's hard to get that. The reason it's an A-B split test is because they are 50-50. They are technically equal. You don't know. But that's that's good to hear that you've been doing that and you found ways of doing it. And have you been doing that using paid software or has that just been you've been doing it through the
1: analytics? No, that wasn't paid software. That was solely before and after. And it's a weird one because so when when you think about a pure A-B test, we really should be testing the same thumbnail under the same scenario, right? So run the same thumbnail over the same amount of time because, like you said earlier, different environmental factors might change click-through rate, right? So it might be, I don't know, in the run-up to summer, more people might be interested in muscle building rather than handstands, for for example. So you do have that sort of asterisk there with the way that I've run these A-B tests in terms of completely taking down one thumbnail and re-uploading another. But when you see such stark differences in the click-through rate, and you know, you look at the YouTube analytics, you know, you look at the wiggly lines and the <laughs> one wiggly line <laughs> goes down and one wiggly line goes up, you know, you can infer a lot of conclusions, especially when you switch it back and the wiggly line goes back up again. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of how I kind of got my head around it. You know, you try out different things. Like you said, you always think new is going to be better. Mm -hmm. That's not always the case. And in my head, what I'm kind of trying to do is build up a set of principles that allow me to go, okay, I now know what worked in these sort of types of videos. When I make a new video that might be related to one of the videos I've tried out, I kind of have a set of principles in my head of, in terms of thumbnails, what works, what doesn't.
2: That's great to hear. I mean, so what we were going to sort of suggest with this now is let's... Take it a step further and perhaps experiment with something completely different. And by the way, it's great that you're doing this without the use of paid software. I didn't want us to say that last time and think that you had to go out and buy it. Probably goes against everything this podcast stands for as well. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, see Alan streaming now. (laughs) (laughs) Alan,
0: yeah. (laughs) If you've got to spend a little bit of money sometimes, and it helps you grow your business, it's okay. The yeah. general concept is you don't need it to get going. And I think that's the difference. Like, if you're 18 months in and you're earning 100 bucks a month and you want to spend 20 on a piece of software that'll double it, like, that makes sense to me. If you've just started and you have beginning from zero, you don't need any of it.
1: Yeah. I forgot to tell you, Alan, I took out a business loan to get a new camera. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. I haven't received such a hard stare like that since I... Broke something of a mum's or
0: something. Don't even <laughs> joke about business loans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah,
2: okay. So going back to the thumbnails, <laughs> yeah. just yeah, okay. to avoid, avoid any conflicts, you know. Just, yeah, I don't like it. So what we were going to suggest is, or I guess just to offer some critiquing first, there are still a few instances in some of these thumbnails where the main subject of focus is a little bit too obscure, a little bit too off in the corner. For example, we've got one here. It's your most recent one, actually, the back lever day zero. So with this one, just to somewhat describe it for the listener, Andrew's doing a back lever, which just looks, I don't know how, but you are doing something where basically it looks like you're laying on your front, but your hands are behind you and you're suspended below a bar. It just looks completely wrong, but you're somehow doing it. (laughs) So the shot of this is from the front. So you're seeing sort of Andrew's head first and then his feet behind him. And imagine that you're laying on the ground and the camera is above you what do you see? You basically see their head and shoulders. That's about it. Now with this thumbnail, it's off in the corner. There's not a lot drawing my attention to you or the position you're in. Whereas if that camera shot was slightly to the side and we're seeing that entire profile of your body laid out flat under the bar in this insane position, is that going to demonstrate a lot more? of what you're trying to convey in this
0: video, sure, you've got things with the bar in the way and stuff like that. It's the levitation. From that angle, you can see it. But if you changed it from portrait and portrait to landscape and landscape, so you had the title Mm -hmm. across the bottom and you levitating above it, that'd be a phenomenally eye-grabbing image. I think they've picked up on
1: something smart. I really like that feedback. It's actually feedback I've thought about, which is... Going to lead me on to a really great question. What well, I think is great, and I'm going to ask it anyway. When I was selecting that thumbnail, I thought the exact same thing, right? Side-on image would look so much better. I was actually ready to create that exact thumbnail that you are speaking about. The issue I had was that when I was learning a different skill, the L-sit, right? So the L-sit literally sat on the ground in an L shape. Sounds a lot simpler when you say it like that. But <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I realised that all of my thumbnails were on the side. All of my thumbnails were that L shape on the side. And they ended up looking really, really similar, right? So I actually have a playlist on my channel called like Learning How to L-Set. And all the thumbnails look similar. So I thought with the back lever, maybe the first one or that have different videos showing it from different angles... When, when you're doing lots of videos that have a relatively similar topic and you want to show ever so slightly different messaging, but you don't want to spam YouTube with the same image again and again, how do you navigate that? Because that's one of the main reasons why I decided to use the thumbnail you're actually speaking about. How yeah. do you guys navigate that?
2: So again, if we're looking at this, so for example, I'm looking at your videos now on your yeah. video page on YouTube everything is all here together and we can see everything sure we would start seeing patterns andrew doesn't use anything but that side shot firstly is that much of an issue not necessarily it's it's a branding thing arguably but secondly we only see that pattern if we're looking at it on your video page now if people are looking at that video page they're probably already a subscriber or regular viewer or they're just curious However, if that shot pops up on the search feed or the results feed, that's something that could potentially capture a viewer, that really interesting shot. Sure, if you've used it over and over again, uh, sorry, if it works and you've used it over and over again, then keep using it. It doesn't really matter because if the... Sorry, I'm I'm screwing my words up here.
3: Well, no, it it makes sense. Essentially, at the end of the day, if, if it does look like a good shot, you can reuse it. If you start to see a point where actually views are dipping because you think it might be down to using the same thumbnail. Go back to the A-B test and see what happens. In terms of trying to progress a thumbnail over time, especially if it's within the series, start to sort of focus on on different points. So we're sort of saying go 90 degrees onto that angle. You've got your whole body in the shot. Maybe the next one, it's only half your body, but it's like at that perfect 90 degree angle to that bar and it still looks crazy, but it's still landscape. You could keep it as that full shot and maybe cut the background out of the image and slightly adjust the tint of it so it changes color as you progress through the series. It's like keeping that same fundamental thing that's going to capture people's attention but still adapting it in small ways. But again, it's, it's trial and error. So give it a go because l- like looking at this straight on, honestly, I can't work out what a back lever is from that image. The only reason I know what a back lever is is because I've gone and watched the video now. But it's weird. It it almost doesn't look human. It's this weird fleshy U shape that I'm seeing, and the rest of it sort of blends in. But just trying to make stuff bold and in your face is is going to be what gets you yeah. the views, essentially.
2: Don't be afraid of being obnoxious, because it works.
1: Yes, <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll dial up the uh, obnoxiousness.
2: <laughs> I mean, there's, there's another one here. So you're no more calluses thumbnail. Oh, yeah. It looks really good, really nice and clean. I won't dwell on it too much, but I think that is a great concept. However, when I searched for no more calluses, there were literal thumbnails of people showing one calloused hand that just looks screwed up and one hand that was completely clean. One said before, one said after. Those had so many more views just purely because they were in your face. It's like, wow, I can go from this to this Mm. rather than this kind of clean look that you've given here, which is great, but actually does it sell what you're saying in the video? Not as much as what these other people are promising.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And so to build on that idea of trying to make these thumbnails more bold and more dramatic, we're thinking that a great challenge for you for the next few weeks with the next set of videos would be to try and create the thumbnails with only two syllables maximum written on the screen. Ideally, nothing. Ideally, the image entirely speaks for itself. And you might you might have to put in more thought. It might take more time in this. But essentially, it would be worth trialing this sort of different method. So you've got that new, new A and B test. You've got the concept of, right, I've got text on the screen. I don't have text on the screen. I've got it big, bold, and dramatic. I've got it cut in half. I think this challenge of, of just keeping it to two syllables would be the best way for you to sort of test your photography skills and give yourself a chance to show up and, and really be bold in the timeline. Yeah.
0: And no cheating, no writing on the walls in the background. That's bad.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no literally drawing with a marker.
0: I, so you've, <laughs> you've already done
2: this in some instances. For, so, for example, you've got one here, L-sit floor versus parallels. You've got versus in the middle, two syllables. You've got things like day one, day zero, hour one, before, After under your breath. You know, simple things like that. That it's what people like Mr. Beast do and things, and it works. You let the title, you let the image do most of the speaking, and then those little words are just there for supplements, and it Mm. forces you to be creative. For example, you've got one here, how many reps for beginners? What if you had one where as the image split in half and you've got a dumbbell in each hand? One hand it says rep five, the other hand it says rep twenty-five. One of the arms is ripped as hell. The other one's really skinny. How much does that speak for what the video is talking about? How many reps should a beginner do? Well, five really, because look how ripped that guy is. Or is he going for endurance, the other hand? Like the image does it
1: all. Can I just say, I'm so impressed by how much of the information from that video you've actually just relayed back to me. That's actually pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's a weird one. I fully lean into that show, don't tell ideology. Like the idea that The title is already telling them what the video is about. The thumbnail should really say it with a photo. Yeah, I'm I'm fully willing to try that. I've I've seen it work. I know because I click on videos with no text in the thumbnail, you know. So it's got to work because enough people do it. So, yeah, I'll I'll give that a go. Brilliant. Okay. That's good. So if we
3: sort of quickly move on from there, what would you like to cover? Content content structure structure, yeah content structure so
1: first question then is do you script your videos I do if I didn't my videos would be significantly longer and far less succinct I try as much as possible not to make it look like I'm reading from notes but I still need the notes there to make sure i brought those points out so I kind of have I'll have my laptop down to to the right of me outside of the shot read a quick note then say what I'm saying down to the barrel of the camera. And if I forget what I'm saying, I'll have a quick glance at the screen and then um, <laughs> edit that little bit out. <laughs> and yeah, it's it, it works for me. I certainly feel when I look back at my videos, I'm way more succinct than I am when I speak normally, as you guys have probably noticed. I waffle quite a bit. But yeah, in answer to your question, Rob, I do. Cool.
2: I mean, just saying the facts. We had to ask
3: that shows that you're hiding it very well. You're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely. better than me. So, yeah. Anyway. we're not going to come along and say stop scripting. The whole point is having a plan in front of your videos is always a really good good start. And the fact that you're doing that is brilliant. But what we want to talk about is the concept of like adding rest breaks within your videos. I guess it sounds a little bit weird, but essentially, we watched your four or five latest videos and. 99% of the time, it's continuous talking, which is fine. You're providing so much value. You're providing so much information, but it is so easy for any person, any viewer to get distracted for a second, miss a valuable piece of information, or listen to so much stuff that they're, they're trying to remember what was said at the start to link into what's said now. And essentially, adding a rest break gives people time to ingest that information and have a think, have a, almost have a rest thinking-wise, and then you can move on to the next point. And the way to do that is essentially with montages.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, montages or perhaps a change in music or something like that. Alan, we actually wanted to run this by you as well. When you're doing your presenting workshops, how do you stop the audience from zoning out in situations where you are doing a lot
0: of monologue? It's one of the best bits because you have to engage. If you've got 100 people in front of you, And you imagine my courses are two weeks long. Like they sit in front of me for two weeks. I have to do something to keep them engaged. So to give you a few random ideas, number one is the question. I don't think enough presenters ask questions. They tell you the answer before you even know what the problem is. So ask people questions. Have you had problems sitting this way? Do you struggle with your posture? Does this happen to you? Engage them with questions and get them thinking. Number two is eye contact like that just so it's the change in eye contact so sometimes I'm just talking and then sometimes I'll just stop and stare at them and you've probably all seen me do this to you down the videos where I just lean in and stare what's the impact that has
1: (laughs) makes me sit up a lot straighter in my (laughs) chair
0: I get attention. I tell you, when I do that in real life to the person in the front audience, the whole audience goes, "Uh oh, he's going to look at us next. (laughs) Um, So your eye contact is incredible. I would say the third is your variety. Now you can do this in many ways. Vocal variety is speed. So one of the things you can do is speak really fast and then just stop. And that silence and space will draw people in. And then they'll be back for the next piece to keep. So it's the variety of the speed, the variety of the tone. And you've probably heard me do this on the podcast. I get awfully excited. I go off on one and then I go, you could do this for your business. And that change in tone keeps people engaged, keeps them coming towards you. And loud or quiet is not bad. One or the other is If you are only ever quiet or only ever loud, that is bad. It's going between the two in the variety. So I think those are some very quick and easy ways that you can use no matter what you're doing to keep people interested.
2: It's funny. Those are actually so easy to apply to videos. So for example, asking a question, doing that at the start of the video instantly engages people. Making eye contact where you're staring at the same camera each time, you're going to struggle doing that. But what if you just change that camera to the left and then you turn your head to look at that one? Me and Rob do this all the time. Mm -hmm. You squeeze in the image when there's a cut, just constantly changing the depth of, uh, well, just the way that you're approaching the camera. You change the environment. That's the sort of a similar way of changing eye contact. And then with the breaks that Alan said, where you build up and then you stop, that's one that you can actually build in with these montages. So for example, when you're demonstrating a technique, Instead of talking over it, which you can do in some instances, just stop the talking and do some music. So for example, Mm -hmm. in your video on how to do, uh, you were learning a handstand, it was a long video, about eight minutes or so. I found myself zoning out, thinking a little bit about dinner or something like that. That's usually what I zone out and do. But then there was a part in it where you stopped talking, the music kind of came up and it was you holding a 10 second handstand for the first time. And I was like, wait, what? Whoa, whoa, he's doing it. And I instantly came back yeah. and there was a few other instances of that. And it's just things that help ground you back in the video where I can kind of focus and I think, right, hang on, I got lost there. Now I can continue listening and see what he had to say about that thing that just happened. Rest breaks make such a difference. And as someone who likes to talk very fast and everything, I've had to script my videos to get those rest breaks in because if I don't, then it is just a monotone monologue that people zone out of, probably much like this, press break.
3: <laughs> exactly. Funnily enough, we had the same thing in one of Matt's latest videos that he was editing, where you scripted an entire section. Oh, God. You were going for some, he's doing some speed record, essentially, and he was talking through the steps that he needed to do to complete the speed record. And it was a cool part of the video, and I was sort of, I watched it from the start. The start of the video was really great, really pacey. I was into it. And then I had about, Two minutes talking about how to mark a piece of wood, and I just said to Matt, I essentially, one, your choice of music was terrible, it sounded like it should have been in a game from the 90s, and two, the information almost put me to sleep.
1: Rob, you know, he can hear you,
2: (laughs) (laughs) but this is what it's great having Rob here for because it is an honest critique, and I can try. And actually, when I look back on it, I thought. Yeah, he's right. It's not like I spent a day <laughs> editing it and filming it and stuff. <laughs> to be fair, I'm more interested in a good
3: product at the end. you got to weigh it up sometimes, but yeah, it was I, absolutely right. I mean, w- with that replacement that you did, it's not like I came in and told him exactly how to do it. I just said, it just needs to change. It needs to be speeder, more efficient, move on. Like the new version that you got now, I don't know, how many times better do you think it is? It's like Oh, it's insanely better. Insanely better. It's, and it's just
2: adding a few breaks for impact consolidating a few of the sentences into in fact that entire section got boiled down into two sentences it was just about marking a bit of wood as rob said yeah
3: yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and so just think about it with your own videos when you come to the editing process just think right am i still engaged am i still enjoying every bit of it because if you're not enjoying it and you're, and you're the one who made the content then you're going to struggle to get other people alongside you so analyze it and think: right. Can I compress this down? At the end of the day, if you had a seven minute video that suddenly becomes a four minute because you've knocked off three minutes, fine. It means that more people are likely to watch because it's a smaller video and they're going to get what they want in a quicker amount of time. So it's all about that pacing and trying to find that balance.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting that you, you say that about all these breaks in the videos because again, for those of you listening who might not have YouTube channels, YouTube actually shows you where on the video people watch more you know, it shows you the percentage of people that actually stuck around for that bit of the video. Matt, the video you just referenced of the handstand where I pause, dial up the music, and it's 10 seconds of me doing a handstand attempt, you can actually see the number of people that watch that part of the video. There's a massive spike. And bear in mind, this is towards the end of a video where usually people slope off and are ready to wind down on the video. You just see this massive peak at the end of a video, which is very uncharacteristic. And it probably is down to the fact that I've stopped speaking and they're like, oh, sorry, I wasn't listening to that bit and now it's silent and like, that, what's, what's going on here?
3: So what does that tell you? Because essentially those analytics, they don't know when the person is looking at the screen. They don't know when they've got that window open. So how come
1: there's a spike there? What would cause that to happen? Well, I mean, it's the change in the ambience of the, the video, right? So like it's gone from...
3: How would people
1: know that it's changed?
3: Up to that point. If, if the views had already dipped, wh- how can they come back again at that
1: point? Oh, they, they, I guess they must have scrolled back. They must have jumped
3: back. Jump back or jump forwards. They saw your thumbnail. Oh, yeah, they saw true. the concept of doing the handstand and they thought, right, I'm going to have a listen to this. Then you might see the views drop off a bit over time. Mm. And then that spike is where someone's just gone along because they've got a little bit bored. It hasn't been visually yeah. stimulating or that they haven't quite learned what they needed to. And they found the bit that, that looks the most interesting. Because essentially that's all you see as you scroll along, you see somebody doing a handstand, you're like, right, that's the money, that's what I want to watch, and they click on it and that's why it spikes. So what you need to do then is think about how the information you provided up to that point can be compressed, how montages can break up a section. So just, just imagine a 30 seconds sort of clip with, with different music going on of, of seeing you struggle seeing different shots of you really trying, getting frustrated, like hearing audio of you in the moment, just mm. like shouting or you don't have to shout, but the frustration that you're you're having. And then you come back to you talking and say, right, this is what happened. <laughs> this is what I did differently. And then suddenly you might be into a different montage where you're talking over it and explaining the finer points. And just that whole momentum drives the viewer attention. It drives a view count because people are not only going to click on it because they've seen that it's probably got more likes because of a viewer t- retention but they're just going to keep on watching it through YouTube's going to show more people and again that mill value is going to start <laughs> to go up because it's all boiled down to the content you produce within it
1: yeah i like that i really like that and yeah you're right it's like <laughs> it's like you said i do it as well youtube allows you to scroll along and the mini thumbnail along the scrolling but you, you get to see flashes of what you're scrolling to someone clicks on a video called i learned how to handstand naturally you're going to scroll along to see where you can see a handstand and you know you get to the point where it's like oh okay he did learn it great next you know um <laughs> yeah. and if you haven't captured them at the beginning or during the video then yeah they are going to move along once they've got the money shot
2: so then i guess leading up to that sort of payoff moment with the handstand what can we do to build up the engagement or the viewership in that kind of bit before the payoff. So Rob's got a few thoughts with this with
3: regards to music Mm -hmm. that you can do. So I'll let you sort of explain it. Yeah. So essentially, because basically all I've ever studied is music. It's all I tend to hear in videos and in your videos in particular, you've got your standard sort of a theme music, I'm going to call it. And it's a really nice track. It, It works well in the background and it doesn't get in your face when you're talking. But the problem is hearing it going continuously all of the time it means that we're sort of on this really flat level of i guess excitement and at the end of the day if you want to keep people going you've got to develop your video in sort of a way that it's like a story you've got to build tension and so have your music at the start of your video that that builds your brand but then have a moment where right it's gone away you've told them a significant piece of information so they're focused because suddenly the music's gone that means something must be different then go to a montage that's more upbeat, that's more energetic. And now they're seeing things happening, things are developing. And then you can always drop it back later. And you can keep this sort of roller coaster going where where there's always this build, this tension, and then there's this payoff. And at the end, you've got your success, you holding that handstand for, for over 10 seconds. Now, you've got two options. You can either get rid of the music entirely, which, I mean, it's pretty damn impactful to begin with, or maybe you could try bringing your standard music back and sort of start to get the viewers to associate not only the music with you but the music with your success and i think that would be really cool because that music sort of to me it's really zen mm-hmm. you're yeah. really in the zone it's really mindful and for you to have had it's it's been energetic it's been tense it's been oh it's been nerve-wracking whether you're going to do it but no in this moment pure zen the music's come back, you know you're succeeding it, and people are just going to just, every time they hear that, they're just going to correlate those ideas together. So essentially, I think trial out different music and trial out building tension and story within the audio, Mm -hmm. if, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting you're saying this because I'm thinking back to other videos where I've accidentally applied those principles and it has worked really well. Um, when I learned how to else it, I did the exact same thing. Cut the music out. You could just hear random gym noises in the background and me huffing and puffing trying to do this skill. And it's like 12 seconds of a very different sound. And you're right, it, it must have worked well because that video has performed really well. With music itself, I have been so scared of copywriting something. Like, Finding music that I like, and then so all the music I use in my videos, I've got from um, YouTube. Have like a free bank of yeah, music oh, that interesting. you can use. Yeah, yeah. So I have pulled it all from there. It allows you to feel about it. inspirational or jolly or rock um, and whatnot. So it's it is great, and you know you can trust that YouTube's going to validate it as being free and copyright friendly because they've given it to you such to the point i've been so scared of it i haven't really focused on doing anything with the music now that i've got it so yeah allowing it to to roll peak and trough like that because you're right so when i edit my videos i've kind of got a template i've got a premiere pro template the music's already there i already have my intro and i just kind of just drag my footage in chop it up layer the slap the music on at the end and buff it's yeah. good to go like oven made youtube video like <laughs> you know primed and ready if, if i'm completely honest the reason why i haven't chopped and changed the music up as much as i do when i do say for example my success videos of which there are about only like about four probably because it's more effort i have to mess with the template a little bit to do it i have to know where i want to increase the volume of the music and decrease the volume of the music but even as you're saying this Rob, i've got some ideas of where i could very relatively easily do that and it won't take much effort to to test it out
3: yeah yeah exactly so i reckon another challenge on top of the whole concept of the thumbnails thing instead of developing your video before adding the music see what happens if you swap it round. so you've got your scripts and then search up some music so you can look for youtube that's that's absolutely fine But a a couple of relatively cheap options that we've, well, we've used one of them. There's another one that I know that's quite popular. But uh, the two brands that come to mind are Epidemic Sound. That's what we use all the time. It's about £9.99 a month. And I think it's sort of, it's validated using it if you're already making money from YouTube. That's, music is such an investment to make. Or Artist.io. Yeah, that's quite
2: a spinny one.
3: Well, you've got to pay the annual fee up front, but it's quite good. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, I see. So so grab those, grab your scripts and then have a look for music that you th- might think sort of translates into what happens there. And then what will happen is you'll start to develop your video and have cuts in your video based on where the music lands and the impacts and the rhythm and the feel of it starts to get defined by the music and the whole thing starts to flow because music naturally has a flow to it. Mm-hmm. So if you link your video into that, I think it's going to make a really interesting concept, but should hopefully just, again, hopefully, always coming back to it, hopefully push that viewer attention higher.
1: Yeah, you're spot on. Yeah, I just need to be more intentional with it because, like, like I said, the, the, the few times I've done it, it's performed well. Um, I actually did a vlog video where I completely, I watched um, a fair amount of Casey Neistat, who's a vlogger that oh, does yeah. that really well, right? Yeah. So the beat will change, and with each beat, change there's a new shot with new camera angle and then you're right he kills the song entirely and you just see his camera his face like <laughs> really close to the camera I've, I've tried that out with one vlog video once it was a handstand vlog video i tried it out that video performed really well but you know what it pushed my editing skills to the absolute limit i haven't tried it again since so it's like now i'm at a point where i'm starting to see the actual financial value of doing this it's like hmm maybe i should entertain the idea of starting up like i'm not talking about an extra 10 hours a week i'm talking about an extra half an hour you know Mm -hmm. in my head that is worthwhile so i could try it out
0: and you don't have to change everything just add in a little bit add in a little bit and just It's just about weekly refining, monthly refining so that you grow, the videos get better, your skills get better. And I think I did that in the early days. Sometimes I would stretch myself to the nth degree and give it my all and then go, I'm never doing that again. And you just get tired. But it's just like, just do a little bit, just you know, add in one of these elements, do one of these things. And that's where you start to build up slowly over time. Because I think my tendency in the past a bit like you, was to try and do everything all at once. And if I'd have heard this advice from Matt and Rob, I'd be going, "Ah, I need to do all of this in the next video now. And then I would have a small coronary and uh, struggle for a (laughs) week or two. So I guess like we've had some fantastic advice. I'm going to ask Matt and Rob in a minute what their final messages are, what their final thoughts are. Andrew, what have you taken away from this? What are you actually going to implement? And I think rather than tell me everything you could possibly implement, what I want to know is what's the one or two things you can do in the next two weeks. And then the rest we can implement to the next video and the next video. So just like give me the simple things you want to start with, because it's about progress, not perfection.
1: Ah, uh, now you're making me choose, Alan. Ah, uh, Okay, so... When Robin Matt was speaking, I, I have a whole load of ideas I've just jotted down and I I really want to apply them all. I have a video in my head that I actually had planned on shooting at some point this week that could apply some of the principles that we're speaking about. Ironically, it's the second video in my back lever progress diary, so in, in terms of like the critiques you guys gave about that Backlever Day Zero, that would actually be a really good comparison. Like it will be pretty much a direct comparison that we could, we could test that out with in my head, changing up the thumbnail to make that stand out and seeing what we can do with less text in the thumbnail, just let the image do most of the talking. And then this second bit on um, making the music and making the sounds of the, of the video, do more of the heavy lifting. It's something that I know works because like I use YouTube basically as a learning platform. I don't really watch vlogs. I don't really watch videos that don't add value. To, that's a lie. I watch a lot of cat videos. Um I, But most of the videos I watch add value. And yet when I watch people like Casey Neistat, I'm getting no intrinsic value from watching that video. And yet I find myself watching video after video after video. And, you know, you can't capture why. Because it's hidden in these principles of, undulating the sound and cutting it off entirely and changing the angle of the camera. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try and make the sound do a lot of the a little bit I will you I gonna will
0: try. Did I, I, hear I the word try? Did I try?
1: Try alert try alert try alert. I I'd rather jump on up and podcast. I knew immediately why <laughs> try. I will make the sound do more of the heavy lifting in my next video. And I, it's like I said, I can test it out because I will have a similar video to directly compare it against. So I'll give that a go. Amazing. Fantastic.
0: Matt, Rob, if you could summarize your advice, give me your closing thoughts, or if you just want to randomly say something completely different, that's fine as well. How would you like to end your segment of the
1: podcast?
2: Yeah, so firstly... Let's focus on getting even more viewers in. Stop focusing on the cost per mill. Let's start just getting more mills in, as you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll do that by doing the uh, two-syllable thumbnail challenge. Hashtag Rebel and Entrepreneur Thumbnail Challenge 2021, <laughs> whatever you want to call that.
1: I love how the challenge has loads of syllables <laughs> <laughs> in.
3: <irony>. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> so we'll do that. But basically, that's my main thing from
3: this. I just want to get you more viewers. Rob can do the more editing side of things. Oh, brilliant. Thank you very much. Okay. So I think I've just got sort of two tips to add on to everything we've already said. So the first tip is in regards to making this next video of yours. When you make this thumbnail and you're thinking about comparing between the part two of a series and part one of a series... The issue you're going to come up with is that it's a series. We've found this with our stuff before. As a series goes on, you have a drop-off in viewers just because people don't like joining in at a later date. The way around this is that you don't call it a series in the title. You just give it a different description that says exactly what happens in the video, but you don't allude to the fact that it's actually the second part in something else. Mm -hmm. You could have a thing in the top right-hand corner that says, miss the first part, watch it here, that might exist but otherwise just sort of make it as standalone as you possibly can and then you'll have a bit of a better a b split test going on there the other quick tip i've got in regards to music and editing with that is a lot of the time it can be really difficult to make sure that stuff happens in time when you're trying to drag the video to fit perfectly with the exact beat it takes a really really long time unless you drag the music into your editing software you find whatever the key bind is, whatever the button is to uh, make a marker appear on your timeline. You listen to the music by pressing play and you just hit that marker for every beat of the music. And so hopefully all you have to do is grab your video and it will just clip into place with one of those markers and then you're already in time. So it's not too challenging to make sure you're in time with the music, but it does make that much of a difference. And trying to make it more efficient will make it more enjoyable so it doesn't take up too much of your valuable time
1: yeah i'm, I'm literally <laughs> i'm scared because i spent a lot of time finding music on youtube and i know i've been on epidemic sound once before and i know i i'm, I'm essentially going to turn epidemic sound into my new mp3 player I, I will be hunting for music for the next couple of days but I'm. i'm really excited about this i'm really really excited about this
2: Damn, we should have set up that affiliate link. Oh,
3: we really <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: So the closing message for me, for everyone listening, is business is a journey. You're never going to get it perfect the first time you do it. It's about incremental improvement, week on week, video on video, customer on customer, project on project. Just each time you do it, learn one little thing that you can improve. And it is incredible how those actions compound over time. And that's all we need to do is just get a little bit better every single week. Andrew, thank you as always for being on the podcast. You have been an absolute legend. If the audience want to come and do strange levitational moves with you, where do they find you on YouTube?
1: They can come and levitate with me at um, YouTube. Just search Andrew Alinda, or you can search... You can't
0: even say it. You can't even say it. He's like fluffing his words now. I get abused (laughs) at the start. The man can't even tell me his own YouTube channel.
1: (laughs) Andrew Alinda or Callie to the crowd. Don't listen to Alan. Yeah. Searching for either of those things will bring you to my YouTube page.
0: Fantastic. And I think that's sage advice. Do not listen to Alan. That's definitely the way to go. (laughs) Matt, Rob, you have been absolutely brilliant. Matt Astley is the YouTube channel. He's got a fantastic channel about woodworking. I just looked at it, and if you want to have a look at one of his thumbnails, the Amazon Basics thumbnail, Matt, (laughs) that that absolutely got my attention. It's absolutely (laughs) genius. Check out his channel. Looking at that, uh, Andrew is now looking that up immediately. It's brilliant. But that's half a million views, gentlemen. Half a million mm. views with that thumbnail. Yep. Wow.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's why we brag on about it so much. It's Be
3: obnoxious. Obnoxious works. Yeah, and watch the video because the same thing in regards to the, the the music and the pacing, it translates in there as well. There we go, he's found it. <laughs> Andrew's just found
0: it. Yeah, it's a little bit behind the curve on this one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Guys, for those of you listening... Search Matt Esley, Amazon Basics. You will not regret that search.
2: <laughs> you will not Can regret that search. Can I just interject and say that no effort went into that thumbnail? I just went up to the camera, pulled a stupid face, and that was it. It was just off on a whim
3: like that. But you did do an A-B test. I did do a split test on it. It was brilliant. And it worked way better than what you had before, where you looked <laughs> half normal. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. So please... Go search Matt Esley, find the Amazon Basics video, subscribe to his channel. He is genuinely fun. Rob, Matt, your energy, insight and humor is so much appreciated. Thank you for being on
3: the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: And for you listening, go out there, do one thing to improve your business and have fun each and every week. You can have any life you want to choose to build something cool choose to take action choose to work to make your dreams become reality stand out be different be yourself be a rebel entrepreneur